0: Welcome everybody to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by. This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, we had we had a couple audio video things to work through, but we're, we we got there. We're there. Do you think it's a so to speak? It, do you, do you think that's that's the price we had to pay for not recording for right out of month? So our technology kind of forgot about us a little bit. We had had to relearn us, and now we're back online. Assuredly, we did not forget anything. It was the technology that failed. Technology fails me a lot. My joke that I have in my personal and business life is that I'm an underutilized government military weapon where they could just drop me off in the middle of wherever they need me to be, and the enemy computers would, would crash immediately just by the mere existence of me being close to them that's my power that's my superpower wait you're the technology anti-macuyver yes. That is exactly what i am yes I, but somebody could probably come up with a really you know creative like x-men or you know a marvel power of me to, to be you know i i would you know what you know who'd be the perf my perfect uh antithesis or anti-hero whatever it would be would be yeah. tony stark iron man where I just get okay. close to Tony Stark and Iron Man and all his cool gadgets and technology shut down because that's my superpower.
1: I'm not going to say I have the same powers against technology that you do, but I don't have the greatest luck and I work in technology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not to, uh, not to uh, uh, divulge too much into Mrs. Greek, uh, but kind of the same thing with her. Another person who has the anti-technology touch is Doug the Carthaginian, uh, my, my older brother. Former guest on the Eyes on Vic podcast. Speaking of guests, how about that for a segue? We will have a special guest at the end of this podcast. CBS Sports' own Chris Hassel uh, will be joining us on the podcast. That is awesome. Uh, Chris had some tweets, uh, some rather interesting takes and tweets about the Big Ten scheduling. We maybe went back and forth a couple times, uh, invited him on via Twitter. Nice enough to come on. So shout out to to Chris Ah, uh, for coming on. Unfortunately, Kurt, you're not going to be able to to join for the interview just because of scheduling purposes.
1: But I did see the takes, and they were takes. They were takes.
0: They were spicy, there were takes. interesting takes. takes. We'll talk. So, Kurt and I will talk a little bit on the big Big Ten scheduling. How can we not? Right? This is the juicy nugget uh, that is out in the college football universe right now. Um, the funny thing is, Kurt and I did plan on recording once, twice, maybe three times in the past month. The topics changed every time, right as we got one focused in and decided we're going to record tonight on Friday the 9th. Uh, that's the, the day before the schedule dropped. So maybe it was a fortuitous thing that we never did record because uh, this this will give us a good opportunity to to talk about the hot topic this week. Indeed. All Looking right. forward to it. Okay, Before then, we do got, I guess you could call them... A little bit of housekeeping items. First thing we want to talk about is the last podcast that we recorded, unfortunately, over, right about a month ago, but it was a hot one. It was our yearly Big Ten coaches ranking podcast. We were joined by our friend Dustin Shooty. DS and I helped us, DS helped Kurt and I out uh, with that uh, list really quickly. Top three Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, James Franklin, Kirk Ferentz fourth, Brett Buell in the fifth, PJ Flex, sixth, Luke Fickle, seventh. We had a tie technically for eighth. I put it as ninth because they were right in the middle. That ticked off uh, some people on Twitter. Pat Fitzgerald, (laughs) Mike Loxley, and Matt Rule. Then we get to 11, Mel Tucker, 12, Greg Sciano, 13, Tom Allen, and 14, Ryan Walters. Um, As easy as it is to predict that my wife will be as upset uh, upset with me at some point tomorrow or any given day, it was easy to uh, predict that Nebraska fans were going to be upset with the list with... uh, Luke Fickle being at seven and behind PJ Fleck. Saw that coming. Ooh doggy did I not see it coming on how ticked off the new Wisconsin bros were where we had uh Luke Fickle at seven. Boy, we uh poked the bear. That bear woke up. We we talk about each
1: fan base having its own you know kind of culture to it. The Wisconsin no different a little bit odd where they're just kind of dismissive or uninvolved until you really piss them off and boy did we piss them off
0: and that has been part of the interesting take on Wisconsin fans going nuts um I I assure you uh Wisconsin fans if if any of you are listening or if you're too ticked off I get it uh but for those of you that are listening um, no, this was not clickbait. On what we went out on the but, list, this yeah, is that, where that,
1: that was the number one reply. Well, they're just trying to get clicks. And I, I mean, I can't didn't... remember
0: a single time we've ever done that in any way. It is. It is not our mo. It, it is absolutely not. And um, and and now uh, the one thing I would say is that we what we could have done is do mistakes a little were made. bit. The, yeah, mistakes were made, I, and we will we will cop it, out to that. We. We did at one point, after we already started the list, I think we were at the bottom, we had just gone through Ryan Walters at 14. And I said, gosh, guys, we better give our criteria. So DS, if he joins us next time, hopefully Kurt and I will do a better job of of laying out the agreed upon criteria first before we launch into the list. And that criteria pretty much was that we put a much more weight on what you've done as a Big Ten coach and what you've done as a Power Five coach, uh, as opposed to things that have happened outside of the conference and at the G5 level. That was what weighted down Luke Fickle and and um, uh, 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 Luke Fickle, Matt Rule, excuse me. Um, but I still don't think, even if we switched it up a little, that we would have had him ranked as high as the Wisconsin bros wanted us to be.
1: No, I mean, what they wanted is who is the hottest coach nationwide right now, according to the national media. You know, offseason, for the last several season, everybody wanted Luke Ficklin. No one can deny that. But still, he has very small sample size of track record in the Big Ten. It was at Ohio State, and it was mediocre. And some people say, oh, well, he did an amazing job keeping that team together. I'm sorry. It's a team full of five stars, and he was six and six. So I, that That's not helping his case out. Sure, he was fantastic in group of five, but we were ranking Big Ten coaches. So there's no way we could possibly rank him high on this list. Unless, he has to prove himself first.
0: Unless it was somehow a way we ranked the list where it would be, coaches that we would want to hire today to run our college football program which is another list altogether that, but i think to me that is the essence of what those college ranking lists are it it is much more geared towards the hotness scale of the of the coach you know as 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 ho- uh, how appealing they are to any given fan base as opposed to looking more at their resume and what they've accomplished but that's that's how we go about it To
1: all the potential new Wisconsin listeners who are listening out of hate, we've got news for you. This is a Big Ten podcast, a Big Ten-centric. So we can do whatever the heck you want outside of the Big Ten. It's not going to impress us that much until you do it within the conference.
0: Uh, And and I'll say, like, I guarantee you, me and you both agree that we think Luke Fickle is an excellent coach. And we feel that the the future is bright for Wisconsin. And I predict next year he'll be higher on the list. Probably. He could, uh, of any of the coaches that could make us look foolish right away this year, I, I, I think Luke Fickle is the best candidate. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. And then the last thing I would say is uh th- my theory on the Wisconsin fans is 80% of the Wisconsin fan base is still what I believe the Wisconsin fan base is, which is slightly overweight to extremely overweight, cheese eating, beer guzzling, good salt-of-the-earth dudes that definitely like their Batchers, you know. But what I believe Luke Fickle has awoken is the Wisconsin bros, the younger group of Wisconsin mm. fans that have felt dormant and had nothing exciting to jump on with Paul, Mr. Personality to being their coach for the past six, seven years. Now that, you know, they've got the new hotness uh, coach, I, I feel like that's what's going on.
1: And maybe it has something to do with Aaron Rodgers leaving town. They need, they need something to to occupy their time.
0: That is a good point. Uh, That, that uh, uh, pod was released on May 7th. I I sent the tweet out on May 14th, breaking down the list, 153,000 impressions that tweet garnered. So that's pretty cool. Next topic up, Gary Barta uh, will be done as Iowa's athletic director on August 1st. Beth Goats Gets uh, will be the interim AD. Um, she was the uh, interim or uh, assistant AD at the uh, University of Minnesota previous to this, so she does have ties. Uh, All American athlete back in her day. Most people think uh, she is is the definitely the front runner to get the permanent job. Uh, they're going to leave it open for an entire year. That's a that's a long interview process. Uh, but Gary Barta has done any anything you want to add from a from a non Hawkeye point of view. Okay, from a
1: non-Hawkeye point of view, I feel like this guy did a pretty damn good job. Uh, Obviously, the success of the football program is undeniable. Sure, maybe you could have forced out an offensive coordinator here and there. (laughs) But I think the basketball team is riding high under his leadership. He hired Fran McCaffrey. Uh, Look at the women's basketball program. Look at the wrestling program. Baseball. I mean, you can go across across the entire athletic department. And it's a pretty damn successful athletic department. So from a non-Iowa perspective, I get it. I'm not intimately following the entire department, but I have to say, I think he did a pretty good job. Hired in 2006. They've had pretty big success since then.
0: could have said it any better myself as a Hawkeye fan. And I guess I, I this is the way I'd word it. I appreciate you saying it like that. I'm not alone with this take or which is your take uh meaning in with Twitter Iowa fans I was I was somewhat pleasantly surprised to see that there was other Iowa fans besides me that believe Gary Barnett should get at least a little bit of credit when you're the director of athletics when the athletics are doing very very well I don't know call me crazy but I think you should get a little bit of credit for that um yes uh the handling of the the Kirk Ferentz, uh, uh, Brian Ferentz deal is a but is, is tough. But I would say he was put in a tough position a little bit. Now you, you could say he, he put himself in that position. I understand. Uh, and then people bring up the lawsuits. I'm going to go even go crazy there. If you actually look into the lawsuits, he got put into tough situations with the lawsuits as well. I don't I don't know. I don't think he 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 necessarily went out trying to find trouble. Uh, but anyways, that's that that's that's the hot take with Gary Barda. Um, and, and maybe Gary Gary uh, sniffed out a little bit of the changes that were coming, and he just kind of said, "You know, getting a little long in the tooth. Maybe, maybe now's the time I can just kind of hit the trails." Yep, yep. Uh, speaking of somebody hitting the, tra- the trails and leaving things behind them, uh, our, our guy K Dub Kevin Warren um, been gone for a while. He's now running the Bears. Good luck, you know. Great, great job for him to be. By in. the way, thank you, Bears. I, on two levels, I'm a Packers fan. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Um. Anyways, so this this news broke not long after we uh, recorded the the last podcast. This was one of the topics that we were planning to record on. Just just couldn't get around to it. Um. Not as much of a de- not as much of a news a uh, deal now uh, on June 9th, but at the time it was quite a big deal, which essentially was. You know, I'm leaving some details out here, but but Kevin Warren hit hit, hit the road uh, when he was done, boasting puffy chesty on the TV deal he got, quote unquote, done. Uh, but as it turns out, that TV deal was not done. Um, when our new commissioner, Tony Petiti, uh, when he was hired, uh, we looked at his background, which was primarily based in in TV, and we thought to ourselves, well, why would they hire a TV guy? Uh, when the TV deal is already done, what does he bring to the table? Well, methinks they knew what they were doing when they hired hiring him because they needed him to come in and clean up this TV deal. I,
1: In fact, I wonder if he's if it's on a silent one-year contract and then they're just going to
0: find another commissioner. I mean, honestly, we... D- did we talk about that or maybe that was, I can't remember if that was maybe a different podcast or something, but I think we did talk about the hiring of Tony Petiti. We didn't know about the TV deal last time we recorded. That's how it was. Um, By the way,
1: you know, I've been trying to find, I know this is a a Paul Rudd thing that he did in a movie where he was saying titty and he
0: kept saying. <laughs> you got to, you got to workshop. I've been, been looking for that. Yeah. I can't hear you say it on the on the microphone. Just say, but I I can hear I can see your face doing it, but our audience can't. But okay. um, um but yeah. So, but we did talk about in the last podcast how uh, Tony n- n- not a, not an old man, but but not a, a young person either, right? I don't think we're going to have a you know a 10, 20 year run out of Tony uh, Petiti, So it's okay that I, I it makes more sense now that that's not the case because. And the other thing is, Tony took the job. He he, you know, he tipped he, he uh, tipped his hat at the uh, getting announced at the uh, in Chicago. He went right into a bunker <laughs> right after yeah. that. We we haven't seen the guy. And what has he been working on? Well, it's these two topics we're going to cover here, which is getting the TV deal ironed out, and then obviously very quickly after that, releasing the Big Ten schedule. I don't know if anybody's had a more active, quick, you know, uh, time on the job than Tony Petiti has in the last month or so.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, that We 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 haven't, we didn't hear much about the hiring before he was hired. Since he was hired, we haven't heard anything. This, it kind of sounds like Kevin Warren. Remember, he was invisible for for
0: months until the pandemic hit and he was like, here we go. Yeah. Now's my time. It's a fair point. Um, I just feel like uh, and, and and certainly Kevin had a had a odd thing happen you know with the with the pandemic right right when he started too. Um, some of the things to point out is a lot of things that people uh, uh, learned was from an an ESPN generated article uh, talking about the disarray of the TV deal. What I try telling people over and over again on Twitter and DMs, text and whatever is, you know, consider the source. Uh ESPN well, is a jilted lover and and I think they wanted somebody okay. to try to uncover some dirt. And I'll go a step further. It's Pandemic Pete that wrote the article. Okay. So, so you know, you know he's going to try to find something if he can. Well, and I like to, can we really
1: trust anything
0: that guy writes? I don't know. Um, I mean, some of this sounded like, you know, he did his homework. I mean, it it seems to be fact.
1: He does have quotes from athletic directors, yeah. so
0: I'm not saying those aren't real. But he, he was a man on a mission to find some dirt is, is, is what it was. Um, And For the, sure. hi- the highlights, which I guess in, you know, on the other side of the table would be the lowlights, Uh, Kevin Warren just kind of signed away the rights uh, to the Big Ten Championship for one game. Didn't really have permission to to do that. Um, Come to find out, I mean, I, I think we knew how much ownership Fox had in the Big Ten. I think it was maybe a surprise. I know it was a surprise to me. I don't know about you, Kurt, on how much ownership Fox has in the Big Ten in general and then the overall TV rights.
1: Yeah, well, they own the majority, they own all the programming rights for BTN, but they own the majority of BTN, which wasn't the case when BTN was started. They had a minority ownership in BTN. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know when that changed, when that flipped. Uh so I I wonder if Kevin knew that there's I'm sure he knew that there was a penalty, and he just feel he felt like the benefit was more than the cost. When you look at the the, the true penalties involved here that they're trying to negotiate, $70 million is pennies compared to the $7 billion contract. So, I mean, these are just little details. They I are. think the biggest the biggest crime to me is that he left this undone when he, when he walked out of the office. This was not complete. To me, that's the biggest
0: crime here. I agree. And that was definitely the point where people brought up the most here. I, if I'm really trying, I don't know if this is necessarily devil's advocate, but but trying to you know kind of paint on both sides of the fence. If if I'm Kevin Warren, and maybe he just doesn't care to to comment on this because there's nothing that he can really win from it, but maybe he was tired of dealing with grumpy athletic directors and the bow tie presidents dragging their feet on some things, and he just rammed it in and said, "Now you deal with it." That that could be. A, a kind of yeah. a strategic thing that he did to actually get the TV deal done because a lot of rumors right. were that he wanted you, he not only wanted USC and UCLA in, he wanted more teams in, but mm-hmm. he but people were he the from what I have gleaned, I don't know if this is true, but from what I have gleaned, he 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 was one of the few people that wanted the expansion to happen. So my my feel is a lot of things with Kevin Warren was that. He felt that that the Big Ten was hampered by the old school mentality and it needed to take a, a, a big leap into, into the future. So maybe it worked out the best way possible where you had the over-aggressive, not exactly refined Kevin Warren jump-starting things, but the Big Ten kind of holding him back at the same time, a checks and balance, if you will.
1: Yeah, and we know he's the kind of guy that wants something like this on his resume, a $7 billion contract landed.
0: We know how much he loves his resume too. So <laughs> I, I like that theory that you have there. I mean, likes it so much that he reprinted it and hung it behind him. It um, And then, yeah, you you kind of already alluded to it, but I still think it's worth uh, highlighting even a little bit more. People made a gigantic deal out of this 70 or $80 million thing that you kept saying, like, I know 70 and $80 million should never be in the same sentence as drop in the bucket but when you are talking about the enormity of this contract that's in the billions it was the one article i read was just less than one percent of the but, entire so I was gonna deal. Say, yeah that's one percent that's one percent right. who cares yeah. That's that's pennies really yeah the, the way i read the math is i think it's 7.1 and 70 million so it was like okay. just less than one percent one percent there you so go like i mean honestly like even if and then when you you know, you break it out or amortize it over seven years. Like it's, it's next to nothing. So like, it, it was just that part there was a big nothing burger. And I kept telling people like that $70 million is is a nothing burger. Speaking of a nothing burger, that was a part of it that I, that I think was, I think it was Mr. Pete trying to find a little bit more juice uh, to put in his article. Um, so I, I guess we're playing, We're playing uh, November games at night now, okay? Um, And
1: specifically, November games after the first weekend in November.
0: Correct, correct. It it had always been
1: acceptable on that first weekend, but then subsequent weekends in in November, no night games. And apparently, (laughs) the big three, Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, were super pissed off about this.
0: Kurt, you got to explain that one to me because number one, I don't know what is so much different playing the first week in November at night as opposed to even gosh, the second or third week. I, what what is the big weather or atmospheric difference that that would make this such a big deal? I do not understand. <laughs> we're it. we're all we're also talking about
1: three teams that usually love playing in prime time, and then suddenly, not the first weekend, but the second weekend, we don't like playing in prime time. Do you think there's a
0: chance when Kevin Warren just as- assumed this was going to be a part of the TV deal? Because anybody with even a basic understanding of of windows of time for, for television programs knows that having uh, 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 content to put in at night garners more eyeballs. Do you think when Kevin Warren was told that Michigan, Ohio State and Penn State didn't want to play at night, he's like, what the bleep? <laughs> Why would they not want to play at night? So at some point, he just, again, rammed it through because I don't care. I really don't blame him on that one. I don't blame him on that one either. Um, And then somehow Michigan State is who's taking it in the shorts where they're going to lose a home game for how it shakes out, right? I I mean, that's just how it goes. Another thing I'd like to point out as we break out these schedules, uh, USC and UCLA are now joining the conference. When you play night games in Southern California, which I guarantee you they're going to do it where two of the last three weeks, if not, and I hope this ain't the case, three of the last four weeks in November, USC and UCLA will be playing warmer games at home. That is my prediction. They're only going to have one, maybe two road games in November. Um, uh, So this whole night game, and I would assume the the coldness is wrapped around it, not even going to be the case when teams are flying into Southern California. Right, I don't know. Well, Not that big of a gonna, deal, but
1: now I'm starting to think about the time zone differences and
0: when hey we'll man. be watching some of those West Coast games. It's fantastic. It's going to be great. I mean, C V the 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 CBS Sports jingle, you know, before a USC game that's kicking off nine o'clock our yeah. our time, but it's seven o'clock there, brother. That's 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 the good stuff right there. Gold. Jerry gold. gold, Gold. Speaking of something, what, what's the opposite of gold? You're a scientist. You tell me what. Tell me what the opposite of gold is. Well, I guess you could go lead. It's not the opposite, okay. but <laughs> like like a lead balloon. Well, that's pretty much how the yeah. announcement for the SEC's schedule <laughs> went over. So wait, so I nailed it. You, you killed it, man. We didn't. <laughs> that, that's that, we did that, not speak. That's podcast gold right there. That's we didn't. We, right. did, we didn't even rehearse that. The SEC uh, announced their schedule. I got a little theory here for you too, buddy. Uh, The SEC announced their schedule uh, about a week ago. I think it was right around June 1st is when it went out. uh, That they are sticking to their eight-game schedule. So that means Oklahoma and Texas are are coming on in. You you got two more Blue Bloods coming into the conference for a total of 16 teams. But they're only going to play eight games. Which means a lot of SEC football players, how it stands now, will go into an SEC program, play an entire four- or five-year career, and never play a team or two on the opposite side of the of the conference or or in the conference because the divisions are going away. Crazy stupid. I, I don't know what they were thinking other than it's just good for them and they don't want to change the status quo. A lot of people call them out
1: as cowards, but it takes a lot of courage to announce what they announced. <laughs> That is the truth. That is, and the because way it, they got lambasted nationally for yeah, what w- I just what is even happening anymore is
0: shout out shout I, out I, to the I, shout out to the Jim Coyle uh, radio network. I got interviewed uh, by him earlier this week. We did talk about this briefly, and what I had said was, I think I might have come out and just said. We are not switching to a nine game schedule. And if I'm if I'm uh, the SSC commissioner, it's Sanky, right? Still Sanky. If yeah. if he would have come out and said, listen, we're sticking with an eight-game schedule. Why? Because we've won almost all of the national championships recently. It's not broke, so we ain't fixing it. Peace out. Drop the microphone and walk off the stage. I think honestly, people would have respected that more. I would have respected it. But they didn't Definitely. do that. He came up with something about We didn't want to make a knee-jerk reaction and and jump to something like, come on, man, you're doing it for the money and how it works out for having 11 teams make a bowl instead of nine so that your resume of your bigger teams look better. That is all this is. You are getting a free win. Quit saying it's anything other than that. Okay, but
1: wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say, well, He's doing his job. He's, he's promote. he's doing the best thing for the SEC's brand nationally. And they want to win national championships. That's that's what they care about at all costs. And yep. this helps
0: them do that. Do you want me to give you a stat here that probably backs up the, the, the articulate point you just made? This is a Scott Doctorman uh, tweet on uh, uh June first. Teams playing 10 or more power five opponents in 2023. The ACC, counting Notre Dame here, is 10 out of 15 teams are playing 10 Power 5 teams or more. The Big Ten, 13 out of 14. The one team that's not playing 10 Power 5 teams, Michigan. who 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 is the king of the Big Ten right now and has made the college football playoff two years in a hey. row? Is there... Hey is there something to it? I mean that's a that's a pretty direct line of explanation we just arrived at what yep. right there wasn't it. Um sure. uh, we will continue on the Big 12 11 out of 14, the Pac 12 10 out of 12, the SEC two out of 14. That's right. right. Two teams in the entire SEC are playing 10 power 5 teams in a row. And I believe one of them is Georgia, so that kind of bucks the trend back the other direction. So so good on you Georgia for for doing what you do. That's just embarrassing, not to mention
1: the FCS schedule that they play, too.
0: Absolutely. And and I would even say as embarrassing, uh, perhaps more embarrassing, is how many SEC teams not only don't play 10, that I believe only play eight power five teams. That is, they, they don't play a power five team out of conference. Pretty bad. Just unreal. It's just bad stuff. So my conspiracy theory that I kind of I kind of uh, uh, flirted with, uh, hinted at earlier. I wonder if our guy Tony Patiti is a little clever here and either sandbagged this Big Ten schedule announcement because speaking of a guy we talked about earlier in the podcast, Gary Barda has been talking about the schedule being released. For weeks and weeks, if not months and months, mm. like he he thought this announcement was imminent. What if Tony Petiti had uh, a little bit of a, you know, somebody whispering in his ear that the SEC was going to stick at eight games? And what if he thought to himself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit on our glorious nine game new S- USC or USC UCLA included schedule. I'm going to wait. Until the SEC announces their eight-game schedule, let them twist in the wind for three, four, maybe five days, and then whammo. We're going to announce our nine-game super-awesome schedule just to rub it in their face. Do you think my conspiracy theory has legs? No, I believe he went down
1: into the new and now infamous Big Ten bunker, the commissioner bunker, after he got hired. And he only emerged. Once the SEC
0: made their announcement, we should have had like a white smoke come out of the chimney in the building. Is that to announce that this Tony Petiti had arrived at his schedule and that's what was coming. Um, So let's go ahead. Let's, let's take a little foray into the schedule. Uh, uh, Truth be told. um, uh, uh, Chris Hassel and I will talk about this. We're going to have a little bit different nuanced uh, parts of the, of the schedule to talk about. I believe um, but essentially, what was released is who the crossovers are, and as far as the 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 title of what we are calling this, it is called the Flex Protect Plus. Which I believe sounds I like, like, under, like an under like an undercoating for your vehicle, you know, an option that you can get to protect it and winterize it or something. I don't know. Yeah, or
1: like a car wash. You yeah. know, it's it's like the, the second to the best car wash, the flex protect plus. But why do they it's have to the come diamond, up with but it's good. Yeah, why do they yeah. have to come up with stupid names? I just don't understand. Just call it the schedule for twenty four and twenty five.
0: <laughs> I don't get it either. That was the only thing that I thought was was hilarious. Hey, it wasn't legends and leaders bad, but it was crazy. Uh, So essentially what you, what we were sitting there waiting on was who was your protected rivals. The general thought process was that they were going to just select two for every team. Those are your two rivals. Maybe they would go up to three gasp. Maybe they would go down to one Kurt, My most surprising thing about this entire scheduling is that they did nothing to screw up the scheduling. What they came out with, was incredible. I love me some Big 10 football in the Big 10 conference, but they've stubbed their toe on a couple different things recently. To me, they not only didn't stub their toe, they they put on their cleats and gave it a Tory Taylor punt and kicked this thing out of the stadium.
1: Okay, I, I do have some complaints here.
0: The n- number <laughs> okay, one, hold, on. hold
1: on, the number one being why, why don't you have the same number? I don't care what the number is. Make it one. Make it make it eight. Why don't you have the same number of protected rivalries
0: for each team? That's that, that. Don't you think that was odd? Uh, no, and actually, <laughs> interesting. You're going to be leading right into the conversation that Chris Hassel and I will okay. be having after this. Um, my take on that uh, is that is so interesting because I I thought that was a little bit different direction that you were going to go. So my take on that is this. Um, let's say the, the magic number was was two, okay? So you look at Iowa and Al- Iowa alone, either Minnesota, Nebraska, or Wisconsin, one of those teams was going to get cut from, from Iowa's rivalry, okay? After that, most teams in the Big Ten had had two rivals, okay? But there is a whole list of teams that have one rival, and there's one team, Penn State, it's, it's zero rivals. They do not have right. a protected crossover,
1: Which, and th- that's another complaint I have. Is is how can you not have a rival?
0: You're, it's it's like you're who's there. So then, but start looking into the you know the devils in the details with this. Ohio State okay. has has one protected rival in Michigan. Now you could okay. have given them. You could have given them Penn State. That could there have you been go. The, that could have been the protected rival. Here, I'll before. give you another one. Michigan State has one protected rival. Give them Michigan State. Could have been, could have been. Those, those are the the few things that now. What I would be. Hey, most Mar- – cu- wait, well, hold on. Maryland, Maryland has one protected travel. Give them Maryland. There you go. There's that two. is it. Boom. That. That there is I it.
1: Just, I just it, solved the world's problems.
0: I, I think Penn State could have had one, and and and. But I, what I'm most interested in is what the politics were probably behind that. Uh, okay. I think I think Penn State said no, we will not take Maryland as our yeah. protector. I, I so I think Penn State themselves had that. I think Penn State wanted Ohio State. I'm just I'm just pontificating here. I think Ohio State said, no, thank you. Uh we have Michigan, and we know you're gonna be putting us with USC that you know pretty often we'll still play Penn State quite a bit. We don't need that. There is obviously some pressure that the athletic directors of Michigan, Ohio State yep. and well, Penn State okay. were applying for, for it to wind yep. up like this.
1: And we should point out, I think the way it went down. It- is each team got to select f- three teams that they wanted as their, their protected rivals. And then the, the league
0: decided from there. Correct. Correct. Um, for me uh, as, as an Iowa fan um, I, I had, and this was me reading through the tea leaves from what uh, Scott Doctorman had been writing. I thought it was going to be Wisconsin. Uh, that if they did go with two protected rivals for, for every team, for, uh, looking at this squarely as an Iowa fan, I thought it was going to be uh, Minnesota and Nebraska that were going to be the protected rivals and Wisconsin would be uh, uh, kicked to the side a little bit. It's already happened twice uh, in that those teams' rivalries where it's been uh, interrupted. I was happy to see all three of them there. I don't want to lose any of those three games. But to me, um, looking at this, again, from a Penn State point of view, I, I am going to be interested. I'm going to start, you know, quizzing Jake and and, and um uh, perk and some of our uh Penn State people and asking them because I, I do feel that it is a really cool and unique position Penn State is in. They're gonna be playing new teams all the time, they are going okay. to have the the most random most fun big 10 tour in the next 6 years 10 years whatever that that I would be interested in Penn State fans take.
1: Okay, great point. I'm going to give you another one. Wasn't that long ago, although I was a spring chicken when Penn State was an independent program. This is
0: okay. in a way harkens back to their independent roots. Do do you think Penn State's athletic director maybe James Franklin had a saying, this. Do you think that's what they kind of wanted? That they wanted it like that. You know what? I'm on board. <laughs> you, you you flipped that much? I flipped myself just yeah. right now. Uh, the other thing that I I would I would contend with you uh, that that might come up with Chris Hassel as as well is um, the different numbers in in rivalries. Okay. My gosh, uh, nobody has complained about a forced rivalry onto them more than Nebraska fans when the Iowa rivalry was was foisted upon them, you know, some 12 years ago. Damn it. I'd like to point out now the only rivalry uh that you know really was there uh for Nebraska is Iowa. It's their current only rivalry. So I'd like to point out uh, it's it's good that Iowa and Nebraska both wanted each other as a protected rival because I'm not sure who Nebraska's would have been if that's the case. Maybe Nebraska and and Penn State would have been two ships passing in the night and they would have picked each other for arrival. I don't know. There's a little bit of history there. Um, yeah, but anyways, but, I, I but anyways, another... like, the, what I just let me finish this. Cause know, I'll lose my, I'll lose my point. What, what I think the big 10 did a good job of doing was not of, uh, of uh, uh, trying to push in organic rivalries. All of the protected rivalries you see are rivalries. I think that's something they deserve credit for.
1: Yeah. And maybe what they also did is they tried to push the Penn State, Michigan State rivalry. They tried to create that as a rivalry. And there were certainly a lot of great games between those two, but it never took hold amongst the programs or the fan bases as a true rivalry. Right. So maybe like, okay, we tried,
0: it didn't work out. Let's not force things. So, so, and I wonder if they got feedback who, if, if, this rivalry was not wanted which program of those two was the most adamant of saying that
1: probably penn state
0: okay i think i think so too um but from maryland's point of view my gosh they've had little to no success versus penn state in the entire history of that series you can there. make a point that them wanting to play penn state maybe isn't in their best interest either um, Taking a a, a a flip around the, the Big Ten. Michigan, obviously. Ohio State and Michigan State. There was no way it was ever going to get cut to less than two, simply because of Michigan. Not They were not going to allow Michigan State or Ohio State get cut from Michigan's uh, standard schedule, correct? Yep, was happy to say that. Perfect. Illinois gets two. Northwestern and Purdue. How do you feel about that, my man?
1: The when the when I heard it was two, I said it better be northwestern and Purdue.
0: Okay. Can you explain can you quickly explain the Northwestern Purdue connection for me here? Well or excuse me, Illinois uh, Purdue. Uh sorry about that. Can you yeah, explain the Illinois Purdue? Sure. The Purdue yeah. Canon. Boom. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. I'd have to look and, that and, up. And for... it's the
1: cl- hold on. And it's the closest Big Ten campus to Champaign.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh uh, I'm gonna do my why, best. Why yeah. wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Poetry. I guess I guess when I uh, so Illinois Michigan ninety seven times, Iowa Wisconsin ninety six. I'm 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 heading down the list here. I'm not seeing a ton of uh, Illinois Purdue. Let me let me see if I can find it here. Can you? Do you have? Do you? Uh, so here, I believe get... it was like
1: forty seven games for Purdue, forty five for Illinois, and I don't know how many ties. So
0: we're in we're in the nineties somewhere. Okay, something like that. I think okay. so. Oh, there it is. The Purdue Cannon ninety eight. Okay, ninety eight times they played. Not bad. That would put them somewhere. That would put them somewhere around about the sixth most played game in Big Ten history, six or seven. That's not bad. Okay, that's why we got okay. it. Okay, and is and
1: look, two two programs don't have really storied histories. They've had their ups and downs, but the story of that trophy may be the best story, the best trophy story in the Big Ten. Okay, okay, because it. It was real, it happened, Purdue brought an actual cannon to Champaign and was firing a cannon, these frat boys were, and some Illinois fans commandeered the cannon and stole it from them, and then put it in a a barn in central Illinois because it was literally stolen material, and so then they, they came up with this replica, this tiny replica of the cannon.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know what that cooler is? than that? You know what that is? It, it, it is extremely cool. Uh, I'm not sure that would we'll go over these days. Uh, uh, random people showing up at a college football contest with a cannon. So we know that's never going to happen again. The point I'd like to make is that was an organic happening in the past, and that's where we got the Purdue cannon from. So that's awesome. Um, you know, speaking of Michigan State, uh, Michigan State obviously has Michigan as a protected rival They're three locked in for 24, 25 is Penn state. So Penn state and Michigan state are playing for the land grant trophy continuing on this year. And then the two years uh, after that, I think that's a nod to the big 10 saying, okay, we're not going to make this a permanent protected rival, but let's keep it going for three more years, you know, starting this year. So that's kind of a nod to the land grant a little bit without it being permanently locked in. So I, again, I think that's, flexibility that both Michigan State and Penn State fans should be happy with. Well, Actually, hold on.
1: If I could bridge off of that, they're also playing Indiana, you know, the, the Spatoon. We could have had them as a as a permanent Indiana and Michigan State State's permanent rivalries, but they locked, locked them in for the next 2 years at least.
0: Yep. So that lock, locked them in for the next 2 years. Uh Indiana, their only lock is Purdue. Uh, Purdue, they have two locks. They have Illinois, as we already discussed, and Indiana, obviously. My my major bone uh to pick here is Minnesota. I I very easily think Minnesota could have had three locked in permanent rivals yeah. as well. Minnesota has Wisconsin, obviously, that is playing for the X, the most played college football rivalry in history that was always going to be the number two spot behind Michigan Ohio State and then we already talked about Iowa being locked in for the next three years counting this fall and then 24 25 Nebraska will be on their schedule however not as a locked in opponent I think this is a budding rivalry between Minnesota and Nebraska happy to see that it's going to be played for the next three year I might have been even a little bit happier if Minnesota also had three rivals and Nebraska was locked in as one of them. Yeah. It's a new money rivalry. Let's call it that new money. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I I'm, I'm not as uh, engaged and enthralled in the bits of broken chair rivalry as Minnesota and Nebraska fans seem to be, but I like it. And I, and, and I think it should be given the chance to actually turn into a proper trophy and see it grow. Again, maybe this is the Big Ten nodding a little bit to keeping them on the schedule for the next three years and seeing where it goes after that. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty good. Um, what else? Rutgers uh, and Maryland, you got each other, guys. <laughs> You're one. one protected rivalry. I don't know I don't know what to say about that.
1: Oh, well, um, I don't know that either one necessarily wants it or doesn't want it, but they're both there.
0: It's like correct. okay,
1: well, we might as well.
0: That's who they got. Uh Mar- and that, so yeah, Maryland gets Rutgers as a protected Michigan and Indiana. Not a bad draw for the Maryland Terrapins. I think they're pretty happy about that. Rutgers gets Maryland as we already talked about Penn State. All right, that's a tough one. And then UCLA, that'll be interesting there. That's a coast to coast rivalry, right? Kind of be about the furthest Teams have ever flown to play, and not counting uh somebody flying out to Hawaii. Uh Wisconsin, as we talked about, Iowa and Minnesota, really interesting for the next two years or the, or the, the uh, following two years after this season. USC, uh, one of their rivals. So that is an interesting trio of teams for the Badgers, Iowa, Minnesota, and USC. I think that is really interesting. And, hey, let's talk about the – and, by the way, uh, Ohio State. uh, Oh, hey, how about Ohio State and Michigan? Uh, Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan get each other. Uh, Ohio State gets your Illini uh, as one of them. And then also Northwestern. There you go. Mm
1: -hmm. Pretty fair draw, wouldn't you say? Almost like – hold on. Almost like an SEC draw.
0: And now they're going to play. We'll we'll break down their schedule. They're going to get a heavy dose of USC as well. You just can't tell me that that's not – the most obvious horse trading going on where they, they approach Ohio State and they say, listen, you're going to be playing USC because we need our marquee teams playing each other because this is what garners the TV eyeballs, hence the $7.1 billion. We'll make you a deal, Gene. How about we give you Illinois and Northwestern for your two other crossovers for 2024 and 25? Is it Could it be any more obvious that that's how it went for, for them? No, nope, nope,
2: no, and nope.
0: then Michigan. You know they get Ohio State and Michigan State, so that's a rivalry. Uh, but then they get you know Maryland, uh, a team that they've had quite a bit of success in. And then let's go to the new guys on the block. We'll start with we'll start with UCLA. Obviously, US USC and UCLA are are their rival um, locked in rivals. This one is fun. Two straight years, twenty four and twenty five. UCLA and Nebraska. Nebraska, the most, the furthest west. Uh, Big Ten, you know, team, standard Big Ten team until next year. So that'll be a fun one to watch. And then another one is cool. uh, Switching over to USC, as we already talked about, obviously UCLA, Wisconsin, Penn State. So USC gets UCLA, their rival, which, you know, those games are never easy, Wisconsin, Penn State. And then when you start breaking down the non-crossover games, and I will do that here real quick, uh, in 2024, uh, USC uh, gets, as we talked about, Penn State uh, and uh, Wisconsin, and UCLA also gets Michigan and Iowa. I mean, I tell you what, USC is going to have a interesting little jaunt into in Big Ten country. Their yeah. first year in, yeah. That is... Welcome to the Big Ten. It's switching True. over to the to, prophylactic we'll... passy, <laughs> and then uh, switch it over to to Iowa. Uh, They get um, their standard rivals, as we've talked about, also get Ohio State and USC, both of those games on the road. So that is a tough draw for Iowa in 2024. But then you flip flop it with Nebraska, who has a more manageable schedule in 2024. But in 2025, Nebraska gets Ohio State, USC, Michigan, Iowa, and hey, Minnesota and UCLA. Who doggy? That is a a tough one. So obviously, the how tough a schedule is or isn't is always going to be in relative terms to you know how good the the program is. It, it's funny how Georgia and and USC and and or Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan tend to have easier schedules as compared to lower teams. Obviously, a part of that is because their their programs are are much higher and better shape. But anyways, so one there you go. Thing
1: I've noticed overall is it seems like every schedule i look down i'm like oh man that that's really daunting oh dear lord oh wow what a what a schedule so that means the addition of usc and ucla competitively has been a great thing for the big 10
0: i don't think there's any contest um i mean obviously with lincoln riley as long as he's not uh, trying to uh, smoke any brisket uh, and he just sticks to calling plays he he is he is a gifted human so we think USC is going to be in good shape moving forward. UCLA, we'll see how things develop, how how yeah. Chip Kelly keeps it building. They're they're in good shape right now. Uh then the other things you, you think about, I I I know I'm going to sound like a cliched Big 10 football fan, but you know, when I see USC on the schedule for Iowa in 2024, did I did I uh, uh gasp, did I shake in my boots? No. I just thought to myself, please tell me that that's at home, and that it's it's uh, one of the one of two games will be at home that and that they're going to be in November. Like I want to see USC, especially, but also UCLA, traveling to Iowa, to Penn State, to Wisconsin to play a night game, a, a, a cold weather game. I I cannot wait to see that happen.
1: And I wonder. I'm just curious. When is the last time? I mean, I guess maybe going up to Washington State. But when's the last time those teams played
0: a true cold weather game? It's, I mean, because it's a great question. Because obviously, predominantly their games are in you know the Pac-12 when it gets late in Pac-12, pack 10 Pac whatever it was late in the season. Then the next game they're going to play is going to be in a bowl game, which is predominantly a warm weather it's things that you literally could say we've just never seen before right uh will that change up their recruiting or they want to pull more midwestern based recruits that are a little bit more acclimated or well, are we just making are we making way too big of a deal out of this whole no i don't, uh, I don't another, think so i, I think I just
1: think being in the big 10 i'm curious to see how they start recruiting differently just yep. purely by, on style of play yeah And do do they, do they try to adjust to the big 10? Do they try to do the Scott Frost thing and say, no, the big 10 is going to adjust
0: to us. I just can't wait to see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, I saw a non-Iowa fan making fun of USC versus uh, Iowa saying, boy, that's what we want to see. Iowa's offense versus USC. And I thought to myself, But USC's defense is is atrocious. (laughs) Maybe Iowa's offense is just a skosh better by then, and going against a USC defense. Now, of course, USC's defense could be better. The other side is, I would kind of like to see a USC offense going against a Iowa defense, especially if, let's say, it's the last weekend in October. (laughs) You're trying to tell me even a hardened Iowa football hater wouldn't be interested to click over and check how that, that contest is going to go. This is, this is some compelling stuff, man. You know, we both
1: made it very clear that, that we did not want these teams in the Big Ten, but we understood why it was happening. We thought it ne- needed to happen. I'm actually starting to have fun
0: with it. I, I, I would like to start. I, I got to start fishing and picking up USC. USC and UCLA followers yeah. because I want to start getting their takes on it. Obviously, you know, we've done a pretty good job of branching out uh throughout the Big 10 to have our insiders help us out, so we got to be on the lookout for USC and UCLA. Yeah, it's it's there's fun stuff afoot uh that we think we can get into. I think the last thing we could probably talk about before we wrap it up and bring in Chris Hassel is it is the end. This is the last year of the Big 10 East and the Big 10 West. I am going to simultaneously miss the Big 10 West and the camaraderie while at the same time being happy to say goodbye to the Big Ten West jokes from outside the Big Ten West.
1: Yeah, and I, I just think people making jokes just aren't really paying attention because they're not incredibly competitive football. Of course, nobody that's gonna compete on the national level, fine. If that's the your only criteria, then then don't watch. But if you like good, sound, fundamental, defensive football and competitive play where you don't know who's going to win the conference. I just, there, there isn't a better one to me in, in the country.
0: I feel like if you made a, a checklist of what you would want to see out of a division to make it a fun division, the big, like let's say there was eight check marks, six of them would be a home run. The seventh one would be okay. And then the eighth one would be almost non-existent, which I guess would be explosive offenses, you know, for the most part, but every other check checkmark, it, you know, uh uh, great defenses great special teams uh games in cold weather games in hot weather coaches that don't exactly gel Uh, dude it's it's got all of it but people are just like "Eh, it's boring and uh, i'm 23 years old and uh, it's stupid it's boring and that's it that's all you get yeah
1: but i talk to people our age that
0: say the same thing
1: it's just such a it's a boring tired argument just okay let's stop watching football
0: yeah, I don't know what, exactly what you want, but uh, yeah, all right. But we'll we'll probably we'll probably pontificate on the the loss of the divisions more. Uh, we're we're not there yet. We'll we'll maybe have a couple things to say uh, a little bit de- uh, deeper into the year. You got anything to add before we bring on Chris Hassel? We should have maybe a funeral episode for the, <laughs> the for the divisions. I think that is. I think that would be some great fun. I would like to welcome now Chris hassel with CBS Sports HQ to the eyes on big podcast Chris how you doing today
2: I'm doing great I I uh it's only June 10th I'm ready for college football season though schedules out for the next couple years I I'm I'm stoked how do you how do you feel about the uh the the countdowns that you see on Twitter does it, does it get you excited <sighs> unfortunately a lot of times it just Makes me think. God, we still have several more months to go. Like, I we'll, oh, Okay, we we, you know, we did the one hundred, and then you know, now we're down what eighty or so, and we're counting down to week zero, basically. Right. Even though there's only like ten games that week, well, I'll I'll take it. Anything. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say. I,
0: I need to get through spring. Once the summer months are on, you, we're, yeah. we're right at about 11 weeks now. Yeah, I'm starting to get itching. The, the college football magazines are out there. It, it's good to go. So, hey, uh, you already talked on the one thing, which is the, the scheduling. Uh, so let's go ahead. We'll just jump right into the ugly pond uh, with the tweets hmm. uh, from earlier this week. Um, so your tweet had a few Gopher fans, a few Hawkeye fans riled up. I might have been one of them. Um, so I'll just kind of read through the tweets a little bit, and then I'll just let you sure. let you talk on it. So the first tweet you put out, totally get. You said, uh, "I kind of wish Iowa's only protected rival uh, was Wisconsin." Seems weird that Iowa has three when the rest of the conference looks like this. You listed it out. Iowa, the only team uh, with three rivalries, as my joke has been this week. When it comes to the number of rivalries, Iowa has no rival. Uh, you could even add <laughs> you could even add Iowa State on there to make it four. A good chunk of the conference is two, but most of the conference is at one. Um, And you kind of talked about having three protected rivals being an awkward thing, which I which I uh, uh, admit to. Uh, Then, you know, to me, my take was you'd be okay losing Floyd, uh, which kind of bothered me. And you said I was 28 and 10 versus Minnesota since I was born. I don't see uh, I don't see it for anything more than a cool ass trophy. It's not a rivalry to me. Uh, Chris, you really think? The the Iowa, Minnesota in Battle for Floyd is is not a not a big, big, big ten rivalry?
2: I think it's a fun game. I would rather see, I mean, I, I would rank three Iowa rivalries ahead of it. I would I would put Wisconsin, Iowa State, and Nebraska ahead of the Minnesota game. For me, when I when I think of rivalries and big games, I think of teams that um, I just don't like programs. I just don't like, Iowa State is at the top for me just because we live in the state of Iowa. If I know you're in, in Minnesota now and I'm down in Florida, but growing up, you're, you're living with these Iowa State fans. I worked in Des Moines for five years. You're living with these Iowa State fans day in and day out. They hate Iowa. Iowa fans kind of look down on them. They hate that. That is a rivalry to me. Iowa-Wisconsin, that's a rivalry. I, I think it's more rivalry for Iowa than it is Wisconsin. Wisconsin now because of how dominant Wisconsin has been over the last 25 years. Things really changed, uh, as you know, uh, in in the 1990s. And Iowa used to dominate that rivalry. But I I feel like Iowa, like I want to be Wisconsin right now. What they've done over the last 25, 30 years, that's what I want Iowa to be. And then there's Nebraska always has looked down on Iowa and Iowa comes and just Kicks their ass year in and year out as they come into the Big Ten, and then I think things pick up a little bit with Nebraska finally getting that win last year. Minnesota, to me, and it's not just the the domination on paper. It's just that I don't really care about Minnesota. Hmm. I don't. I think the I think the trophy is the best thing about that game. I know yeah. they've been playing it forever. Minnesota used to be a powerhouse, but that was a long time ago. I just if I had to pick three. I would pick the Iowa State, the Nebraska, and the Wisconsin over Minnesota. So, what we have
0: confirmed here, it wasn't a, it wasn't a click and rile people up tweet. This is, this is your thoughts. So that's I and, mm-hmm. and I will say the where to rank the rivalries. Uh, I think it was Scott Docterman with the Athletic. He put a poll out a year or two ago and asked Iowa fans to rank their rivalries. Um, I, I will say it was shockingly even between the four teams, which is mm-hmm. crazy. I I think that is incredibly unique across the college football landscape wh- to find a team that could have not only four rivalries, but four rivalries that evenly parsed out. Sure. Uh, when you do a poll like that, it's incredible. I will even say, you know, it's a geographical thing. It's a long ways from Muscatine mm-hmm. to Minneapolis. Right. So maybe that plays into it for the background. Well, yeah, you. I,
2: I, to your point, growing up that the Illinois game was bigger in my neck of the woods than the Minnesota game. Okay. I mean, you, you you're right on the border of Illinois that's always been a bigger game. the Illinois game that was the team he hated the most uh, yeah. when i was a kid and illinois has kind of fallen off the last 30 years or so and that game you know it's kind of you know it's kind of, it, there's not there's no trophy yeah. and illinois hasn't been good and iowa doesn't play illinois every year right. but i think if you ask my dad right now he would put all of those teams ahead of minnesota
0: um, Beetle might be spicing, uh, that rivalry up here pretty quick. We'll see, we'll see how that yeah. goes these next couple of years. Um, yeah, it's a geographical thing. I think if you ask people in Dubuque, they will definitely err towards sure. disliking Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, the most, um, I grew up right in the middle of the state. So, uh, there was plenty of me to spread around. Um, when I was at Iowa late nineties, um, I mean, certainly Iowa state was a big part of the rivalry for us. Uh, but getting your hands on that trophy, that was the top for for the timing. Uh, we as as we uh, pointed out, and we just kind of talked briefly before we recorded. We didn't have the trophy to date myself here uh, um, when we played Wisconsin back in the day, leather helmets, whatnot. Um, and then um, mm-hmm. uh, Nebraska wasn't even in the Big Ten then, so those things have changed obviously since right. uh, uh, you know since I've been out. Um, but you know, just looking over you know the list, you, you, you inspired me to do a little bit of research. And just looking over the list, obviously Wisconsin. Minnesota, not only the most played rivalry in the Big Ten, but across the entire country. Indiana-Purdue up there, Michigan-Ohio State third in the Big Ten. Iowa-Minnesota sitting there fourth in the Big Ten, 116 mm-hmm. times in a row that they've played. Obviously, the, the the Floyd of Rosedale coming about was about, you know, quite a, a story to try to cool things down for how heated it was mm-hmm. between Iowa and Minnesota. So, like, it, I know that you kind of are separating – from the the game but to mm-hmm. me uh if i could just challenge you a little bit i feel like that is you're separate that's too much you're you're separating the history from actually what is the game and all of these rivalries are cyclical you know i mean ohio state had been pasting michigan for years it's it, it's got a different feel now and that only took two years i would challenge that maybe peach you know finally hope it doesn't happen but if peach finally gets over on KF uh, if if that might spice the thing back up. And I just, I just kind of wonder if the streakiness of, of this rivalry is played into that.
2: Yeah. And what's what mostly played into that tweet and that take is that I just think it's odd in imbalanced that Iowa has three of these protected games, which is more than anybody else. Most teams have, as you mentioned, one Penn state has zero. I just think I would be okay giving up one of these protected rivalry games where where you play maybe don't stop playing Minnesota altogether, but you might only play them two out of every four years or three out of every four years, and and have the opportunity to get uh, a a more uh, a schedule that looks more like the rest of the Big Ten. I just I feel like a lot of other teams, like Penn State, for instance, they're going to get a chance to just have a lot more in their schedule year yep. in and year out. They're going to get a chance to have maybe some more marquee games where Iowa is going to be, you know, we're, we're stuck with these three games. I, I say stuck. I mean, it's still it's still cool. And I still, I understand the Iowa-Minnesota game. It's a, It's a cool game. But I just, with the way the rest of the Big Ten stacks up, if everybody else had two or three yeah. protected rivalry games, fine. So I just um, I, I just don't know how that's going to look, look moving forward. And
0: uh, truth be told, Kurt and I, you know, we recorded just a little bit on this topic uh, uh, before you came on. Um, I think you're kind of heading down the variety is the spice of life, you know, part here uh, as far as com- and it's interesting comparing Iowa to Penn State, as you kind of just did right there, as you have. Essentially, four rivals that Iowa will play every single year because it doesn't seem like mm-hmm. the Iowa State well, rivalry. I, I hope so.
2: I hope the Iowa State rivalry stays. Um, I I worry about that. I, okay. I worry that, especially if we stay with nine Big Ten games, maybe even adding a tenth with sixteen teams in the conference now and maybe more eventually. I, I worry that Iowa State could be lost. I, I I would not want to give that Iowa State game up. And you know what I'm, I'm kind of sensing here is. It's just how much this
0: can differ uh, from fan to fan. We're both Iowa fans. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not in question. Um, me, me me living in Minnesota uh, for now half my life, uh, I'm not saying that it's completely separated me from the Iowa State rivalry. Trust me. It's a game I want to win every September. Um, that's where the variety would be for me is uh, if we could make that rivalry a two out of every four year thing. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's going to take another step back uh, once Iowa State is in. It's going to be a lesser Big Twelve. Big tw- Iowa State fans and the and the fans of the of the new Big Twelve can try to act like it's not that big of a deal that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. It's a huge deal. So, so to me, I would love for Iowa and everybody to play ten Power Five uh, teams every single year. But I would love to switch it up if it was Iowa State and somebody else. Doesn't sound like that would be what your choice. You would want to play it in 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 con-
2: continuously. I would love to play it every year, but I wouldn't be opposed to just going every other year. I mean, I I, I just I think if it goes away, it just goes away. I, I think if if we let that Iowa Iowa State rivalry go, it's not going to come back for a long time. Possible, it's going to be like it was, you know, in the in the fifties and sixties when the game wasn't played, and I don't want to see that because that that is one of my favorite games of the year. And, and my my thought on that rivalry changed when I moved to Central Iowa. Growing up in Eastern Iowa, and it was during the dominance, you know it was it was during the the 15 year winning streak. I didn't really care that much about Iowa State. I didn't know a lot of Iowa State fans. I looked down my nose at them, uh, thought they were lesser and just didn't really think about them a lot, to be honest. Then I moved to Central Iowa and I see almost a 50-50 split in the people that I work with, the people that I live around. I start going up to Iowa State, covering games, uh, talking with their coaches, having some friends, having some family that go to Iowa State. That changed everything for me in that I was, I was in Des Moines for about five years and going to that game each and every year, covering that, traveling around the state in um, what we did at at, uh, WHO TV in Des Moines is we did this thing called RVTV where the week leading up to the game, all of us in the sports department would travel around the state in an RV, go to different cities Mm -hmm. all over Iowa and just kind of ramp up to the game and talk to people in these small towns. And it blew me away how much rivalry meant to a lot of these Small towns in Central Iowa, and um, I just think it's too important to to let it go. Um, looking at some of these, like I, I just I, I compare it to uh, uh, an Auburn Alabama to a lesser hmm. extent, though they're in different conferences. Uh, I would never want to see that rivalry game go away. Um, I just I think that that's what college sports. Is all about the, is about rivalries and about in-state rivalries as well, and the Big 12 might take a step back. Who knows though? Iowa State might, because of that, become more of a perennial hmm. contender. Yeah, and they might end up benefiting from that. So, um, I, I would much rather see, you know, in every other year Minnesota than in every other year Iowa State. I mean I can
0: hear the passion in your voice it's awesome that's rivalries are of college football you're you're dead on there um I got a you know like most dudes I got a text group uh brothers cousins buddies ex football players all but there's like I think 10 of us all but uh, two of them me and another guy are from Iowa uh, I feel like mm-hmm. I can taste that the Iowa State game means more to them than maybe it does to me again mm-hmm. because of uh, of the ge- uh the geography part of the equation, so I I get that. Um, I don't know. I get I, I mean, what I'm really getting the sense of is just how much that kind of plays into it, as far as who you are, where you're at, and oh, and, and, no question. and 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 what that means to you. My guess is if you and I somehow flip flopped, well, I mean, I know you're in Florida now, but if I was in Iowa and you were somehow in Minnesota, you'd probably feel yeah. a little bit different about uh, the the Gopher game. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's the interesting part of, of the rivalries. Um, what's going to be interesting, uh, just really quick, like transitioning, maybe just a a little bit over to the bigger picture for college football Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, comparing Iowa to, to Penn state. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out to me because Iowa's schedule very much is going to be static. You know, that's four games that are, that are going to be played every year. I love the fact that it's going to be four of the same games. With eight games being the variety, I I love that the Big Ten had did something right. Like, (laughs) I I feel like this is one of the first times the Big Ten has done an announcement right. Uh, I loved that it was on the heels of the SEC fumbling and sticking with their eight game schedule. Don't think Mm -hmm. that's a coincidence. I think Tony Petiti probably probably timed that out correctly. Um, So to me, that's what I love is that I've got my good old fashioned hate with three other, you know, with uh, four other uh, games. And then I get uh, a different eight. Penn State is essentially going to have a whole new slate every two years. I don't know. Like I to me, that's getting and I'm not saying yeah,
2: I'm not saying I want that. Okay. What I'm saying is I just I don't know how that's going to look when Iowa has three protected games every year and most everybody else has. Has won. Yeah. I, 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 and I do like that. We'll still get these games because I, I don't want Iowa to ever play Rutgers or Maryland, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't want that at all, but I, but I do want them to play the Ohio States and the Michigans more. It, it's just, they, a lot of times they'll just disappear. And now that the conference is getting even bigger with USC and UCLA, they're going to disappear even more. I I know what they, they did as good as they could with a conference as okay. big as it is now. Okay. They're going to play every, you know, they're going to play two out of every four years, right? So as far as a, a grade
0: that you would give Tony Petiti in the Big Ten mm-hmm. for what they came out with, you you seem to believe they've graded out well for what they announced on
2: Thursday. Uh, yeah. Oh. I would give them an A-. Okay. Because you have to also understand the colossal undertaking that this yes. is. yes. Because the conference is so big now and it's so spread out, and I wouldn't want them to force like three protected rivalries okay. on everybody. Okay, I just I just don't know how it's going to work with Iowa having so much more than than everybody else, and maybe a lack of variation in, you know, the amount of times that you might get to play in Ohio State or in Michigan.
0: I mean, if there is anything that's been proven the last two or three years, it's that Big Ten or uh, college football fans can pretty much <laughs> roll with the punches just put the game on TV and let me watch it so i think it'll just be something that'll just kind of it'll just kind of play itself out and people will will get used to it you know the colossal thing that you're talking about we've we you know kind of briefly talked on that with uh um you you can look i don't think it takes much to look through how it's set up ohio state obviously was going to have the setup um uh rivalry with michigan i mean uh, you know that's obviously was mm-hmm. was going to be going without saying but They also get Illinois and Northwestern (laughs) as their protected rivals the next two years, but they're playing USC twice. That is, you know, and what I'm saying is to to bring things back to Penn State again, I guess, Ohio State Penn State is a rivalry that I'm going to miss big time as far as an annual rivalry. I don't think it takes a genius to look through that and say, Ohio State says, listen, we know we're playing Michigan. We are fine playing USC because we know you need the Cadillac product to put onto the screen at some point in the fall, but we ain't playing Michigan, USC, and Penn State. That is that is the big dog in the room, you know, swinging their weight around. That's why we don't see Penn State and Ohio State on there. Those are the things that I'm not the, – the nuanced things that I'm not sure every Big Ten fan has taken into account. That had mm-hmm. to be taken into account by Tony Petiti and the Big Ten when they set
2: this up. the The biggest thing I worry about, and maybe I'm just being crazy, but with sixteen teams, no divisions, and I'm glad they scrapped divisions, by the way. Okay. But there's going to be a three or four way tie for second place very soon mm-hmm. in this thing, and how are these tiebreakers going to work if nobody plays anybody? There you go. In those teams that are tied, I I worry about that, and that's again, I I'm not I'm, an, I'm I would give the Big Ten an A minus for this schedule rollout because I'm also factoring in how difficult this whole thing is. I, I just, the conference is too big period. Yes. Um, there's going to be ties. There's going to be some terrible tiebreakers and there's going to be a lot of people angry down the road. Yes. Uh, but Hey, I, I hope I was a part of it. I mean, if I if was one of those teams sitting there at say seven and two in second place, I hope it comes down to a tiebreaker yeah. and I always went over Minnesota Somehow puts them over the top. I, it's I'm it, I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around what this is all going to look like with one. I mean, it's basically like having in the NFL. Let's just say the NFC is all just one division now. Yeah. So and welcome
0: to welcome to the old man yells at cloud uh, group mm-hmm. with Kurt and I because yeah, we've been exactly. saying this this thing for quite some time. I still don't believe, and I've had this fight with, it was with Michigan fans, uh, right after they got up on Ohio State, uh, they they got puffy-chesty quick uh, mm-hmm. with, with their stance and where they're at in the college football world, which I get, don't get me wrong. I just, I, I honestly, Chris, I want to vomit in my mouth when I think about the fact that Ohio State and Michigan could play two consecutive weeks to end the season. It's disgusting. That is as gross as can be. And heck, you know what? Maybe they'll play three times in a month. If both teams make the college football playoff, they just did it. Yeah. I still don't think people are putting enough weight in uh, how that strips away a little bit of our college
2: football soul when things like that happen. And what happens if those teams have already clinched their spot in the big 10 championship game before the last game of the season. Now I, I, I know that it's, it's still Ohio state Michigan, but if they know they're going to be playing each other the next week for the big 10 championship, let's say that in both of those teams already have a, a loss and they're not fighting for like a number one overall seed in the college football playoff. That's what can you do? Cause you, 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 that game always has to be at the end of the year. And now without the divisions, it's, Likely going to be a, a Big Ten championship game very early on in this process, and that's and then you're going okay, okay. Ohio State won the regular season game. Michigan won the Big Ten championship game. Well, they split, so well we got to put them both in the playoff. Well, how do we keep them away from each other so they don't play like you just said for a third time in a month? Um, yeah. there's a lot of things that uh, we might just have to to swallow because yes, the thing is just kind of gotten away from us with the the realignment and the money grabbing I d- yes. I do appreciate the Big Ten saying though and being transparent about it that this schedule has TV in mind I I'm glad they didn't just try to pretend like this wasn't about TV they said we we want to try to create the biggest and best matchups for TV that's why we're doing this on a two-year basis so if if um you know let's just say Minnesota Becomes this power, and Minnesota, you know, makes it takes a trip to the college football playoff. We'll start putting Minnesota up against the Ohio States, the USC's in big in big spots down the road. Where if you schedule it, you know, four or five years out, you you run the risk of missing that, and and you still have you know USC. They're going to have their marquee matchups. They're either going to play Michigan or Ohio State every year, so you're always going to have that. Be be transparent about it. It's it's about TV. It's about money, and you just have to own it. And I I think they did a a good job with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, Kurt and I are are you know, we're old school. I think as far as our views on this, we got we found ourselves getting excited talking about seeing officially seeing USC and UCLA Mm -hmm. on the schedule for twenty four and twenty five. And then it immediately is followed by this ickiness, you know, like this just isn't how it's supposed to be. So we're all kind of, you know, working our way through that uh, right now. Of course, I'm going to tune in for the second time Michigan and Ohio state play. Of of course I am. And, and the fact that, you know, all of the uh, networks understand that that's what they're leaning into. Cause of course they Mm -hmm. need to do that. That's, you know, having, having more eyeballs on set and, you know, uh, uh, better things to put on. That's that's what it, you know, is designed to do. Can't wait, by the way, to, to hear the CBS jingle before right. a, an Iowa game. That is going to be I- I- insane. It is what it is. It ties into the college football playoff expanding more. I I get it. I just, every time I feel like we, we take a step towards the money, you know, we take a step away from what made college football great. We're still going to watch it. I guess we're just going to see how this unfolds in the next four or five years.
2: It wasn't too long ago where you were looking at a Big Ten schedule. I mean, growing up, Iowa is always going to be playing Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State every, and then they they bring in Penn State, which I think was a good ad. I did. I also liked the Nebraska ad. Things started to get, go off the rails when they went for Rutgers and Maryland. And uh, I, I will say this that I, I the USC UCLA ad is better than Rutgers Maryland. I, I can swallow that a little bit more. I could go the rest of my life. Uh, without having to see another Iowa Rutgers or Iowa Maryland game. I'm 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 done with that. Like that it still, still doesn't feel like a, a conference game. And I'm sure these USC UCLA games won't either. But um, it's price of doing business, I guess, price of uh being in a big time conference.
0: Shout out to my records and Maryland followers that I've gotten to know over the years, but I, I do know I do understand uh, what you're saying. You know, it always feels a little bit weird, Piscataway. You know, not exactly uh, mm-hmm. a Big Ten country uh, when you're when you're there. I guess the last thing that I, I can let you go is um, uh, as far as the divisions going away. Um, I get it. I still feel like the divisions going away is because these conferences feel the pressure to make the divisions go away. I'm still not convinced. That that's the best way to do it uh you could have brought in USC and UCLA and sent Purdue to the east to even it back mm-hmm. out and I think that would have looked like two pretty even divisions right there however uh I am so tired of the Big Ten West uh jokes and just mm-hmm. low-hanging yeah. fruit that that people take uh it, it's one of the most compelling divisions in you know in the in the uh, country every single year I'm sorry that it doesn't look, exactly how aesthetically how people want it to look it's it's close but are you convinced that I don't it doesn't sound like you are but going away from the divisions the way to go or is it the way that it it has to go
2: I think right now it's the way that it has to go just because USC and UCLA are out there all alone I think that eventually it's going to go back to maybe not divisions but pods I mean, I could win the Big Ten if they do uh, eventually add Washington and Oregon. I think then you're going to get the 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 West pod where those teams on the West Coast will have a pod and they're going to play those teams every year. And then you're going to have, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota and Wisconsin in another pod and and so on and so so on and I don't know if that's going to be you know you win your pod you advance to a, a anything like for a big 10 championship I just think that's going to be kind of the way they schedule things it's just so hard because UCLA and USC are just out, b- out by themselves and I I don't know I don't know what the the plan is but I got to imagine that they feel like they need to get two more west coast teams in this, this conference
0: Oregon, Washington are joining the Big Ten. You hear to hear first from Chris Hassel with CBS. I was joking, but no, I hear you. I mean, it's just two two teams way out west. Like you, you got to think that they're going to add. I thought it was a no brainer, but then you see how much that uh, it it costs each school by just simply bringing in two more teams to split out. And when they think that USC and UCLA uh, brings much more to the table, I still don't quite understand that. I feel like Oregon brings. A ton of eyeballs and i I mean washington is a historically like that's a team that feels like it has big 10 thighs because of how Mm -hmm. many rose bowls i felt like the big 10s played against washington so i i get it i do want like we've gotten so far down the path you might as well just bring in you know oregon and and washington at some point but again it's more things that we feel like we can see coming that just hasn't transpired yet
2: yeah, and that's kind of the waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like, there's so many different. It used to be just be one thing would happen, and oh, the other shoe drops. Now it's like, I have five shoes that have <laughs> dropped already, but but there's a seventh and an eighth that will drop as well. Just waiting for Colorado to join the Big Twelve <laughs> and how this. It's like we can't just settle in. There, there yes. was never, you know, you can't like we we got to kind of settle in with Penn State as the eleventh team in the Big Ten, and it seemed normal. We, we haven't been able to do that.
0: Yeah. And isn't that just like humans? Nothing changes in the sport of college football for seemingly 120 years. And then the last 15 years, it's, it's like it exponentially exploded. Mm -hmm. You're right. I mean, that probably is the biggest thing. Like, let's say the next one is, is UC or uh, Oregon, Washington joining. Just stop and go 20 straight years with nothing changing and let this settle in. Right. Like, like one to point out with a big 10 flair, that's regional uh is minnesota nebraska those fan bases and, and are 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 starting to get you know pretty ornery towards each other that's just one example there would be more out there you have to like foster it but let it organically grow you can't do that if you're changing stuff up every decade or half decade
2: and when you look at the sec you know they're going to 16 now and they're only playing eight conference games So, I mean, that's going to be even more of a mess. That's where the Big Ten has gotten it better than the SEC, which there are very few things that the Big Ten can hold over the SEC at this point. This is one of them, and I I feel like this might force the SEC into a nine-game schedule because they're going to see that the Big Ten did a a pretty good job at this. I I just – we'll see how, you know, when you have this many teams and – the unbalanced schedule, and, and you know, I was even more unbalanced with the three protected games. Something wild is going to happen in these first couple of years. And, and the Big Ten has said that they're only scheduling it two years out, one, for, for TV to try to create the best matchups year in and year out, but two, to be able to tweak things if they need to because there's going to be some problems, and you got to be able to jump in and, and fix it right away when they come up. And
0: that'll be the ironic thing that pushes the SEC into a nine game schedule is yeah, money. No. The thing, the thing <laughs> that we're complaining about, that's what's that's uh-huh. going to get them there. So Chris, uh, I know you got to get going. Uh, I thank you so much for joining the podcast. Let, uh, uh our, our, uh, audience know where we can find you.
2: Oh yeah. I, I, I appreciate you bringing me on Jeffrey. Um, I am on CBS sports HQ during the week as a host. I call college football and college basketball games for CBS sports network um, and I, I, I also have a podcast with, uh, another guy named Chris, but, uh, that's, it, it's mostly Iowa based. So If you like Iowa Chris stuff Williams. like we do, he's yep. an Iowa state guy. Chris I'm Williams. an Iowa yep. guy for sure. It's yep. two guys named Chris. Sure. Yep, Love it.
0: Awesome stuff. Chris
2: Hassel, ladies
0: and gentlemen, for my guy, big Kurt, I am Jeffrey the Greek. This has been the eyes on big podcast. We'll talk to you soon.